all you chocolate lovers out there. We've got a program just for you. You bet. Yeah, you're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig, and it's, I guess, that time of the year when uh, people go nuts over chocolate. I guess the standard question is, when you're bunnies, who bites the ears off first? Is that, is that what they say? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, know, I know you're usually pretty quick there. <laughs> well, anyhow, um, uh, with all this chocolate making going on and all these um, uh, artisan chocolatiers and fine chocolate, um, there has to be a trade organization, thinks us, and indeed there is one called finechocolateindustry.org, and we're going to be talking to the uh, uh, director of that, Bill Guyton, and uh, you'll learn a lot about who's making chocolate and uh, what kind of chocolate everyone's after. Well, I'm very excited to be talking to you, Bill Guyton, because um, you were executive director um, of the, the Fine Chocolate Industry um, I guess it's a trade organization, right? That's right, yes. Uh, it's the Fine Chocolate Industry Association, and we've been around since about 2007. Good. Okay, well, so, you, so you're pretty new on the block. Yes, I've, uh, I, and in particular, the association is pretty new, and I've only been with the association for about um, two, two years, two and a half years, uh, but I have a a background in cocoa that dates back to 2000. So I'm, I'm not a newcomer to cocoa, but I am to the fine chocolate industry. What did you do with cocoa? Um, I was working with um, the, the World Cocoa Foundation with a lot of the large-scale uh, companies on, on some of their sustainability efforts um, in Africa and, and other origins. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that's a, that sounds like an interesting job. I mean, I love, we do a lot of interviewing of um, chocolatiers. I mean, I find them to be a real mix-up, mash-up of personalities, and it's interesting. <laughs> well, know, that's you, one of the things that I lo- like so much about this industry is that you have some highly creative uh, types that, that are in fine chocolate. Uh, they create uh-huh. incredible products, and they're very innovative. So, so you get a little bit eccentric in there as well, but but it's all good. Now, let's just start with the definition of fine chocolate because a lot of people really don't know what what fine chocolate is about and how to distinguish fine chocolate from a much broader commercial web market. Yeah, well, well, basically all chocolate is not created equal and in my opinion, fine chocolate, of course, is the, is the very top tier. It's the top 5% or so of the market. And we define fine chocolate really in terms of four different areas. One is the sensory. It, it's how it tastes and how it looks. Um, it's usually also higher in, in cocoa content, and right. it has fewer ingredients. So you have less sugar, more cocoa, uh, fewer ingredients. Um, another distinguishing factor is that it's usually manufactured less than, than say, mass-market chocolate. And then the, the fourth area that really distinguishes fine chocolate is that it's typically ethically sourced. So you, you find companies, for example, that, that really know where their cocoa is coming from, and, and many of them, in fact, have a relationship with the farmer organizations right. that produce the cocoa. Now, um a short history of chocolate. I mean, for a long time, chocolate was only known as a drink, right? Uh, 
Right, right. And uh, it, it, the origin of cacao is, is really from Mesoamerica. It's from Central and, and South America. And over time, you know, the production base has changed, and, and right now probably about 70% comes from West Africa, from, from Ivory Coast right. and Ghana, the, the number one and two biggest producers. But you're, you're right. It was initially consumed as a drink, and then over time it has, has become more of a, you know, a variation of different products. Now, is your organization just in the U.S. or is it worldwide? We, we started in the U.S. Um, this is kind of the birthplace of the, the craft chocolate movement, I would say. And, and, um, but over time, you know, that, that membership has expanded. We, we have, of course, a lot of Latin American company members and, and many European companies that are, are joining as well, and a few in Asia. So it really is becoming more of an international uh, trade association. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I remember, remember hearing somewhere, I've probably heard it more than one place, that, that the Europeans really frown on British chocolate and say it's really not chocolate at all. <laughs> That's the well, EU. You know <laughs> yeah. All no, it's mostly the Belgians. Uh, mostly the Belgians. Yeah. The Belgians don't think... Well, don't, you know, you're, 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 you raise an interesting point because I think everyone, um, every every country that that makes chocolate, I think has has a national pride in that, and and sometimes you find differences from one country to the next, and even one region within a country to the next. So it it shows that there is a, a variety of of different tastes and preferences out there, and, and we embrace all of that. Well, now about your definitions of things, like you mentioned, craft chocolate. There's also artisanal chocolate um, within this category of fine chocolate. Uh, what else? I mean, can you kind of explain some of these terms? Because I think the consumer is confused by them. You know, there are lots of terms out there. There's craft chocolate. There's um, artisanal. There's bean de bar is another, oh, another yeah, yeah, term yeah, you yeah. sometimes hear. And that's for companies that actually purchase the, the cocoa beans and make that into finished product. So um, there are a lot of subsets of, of fine chocolate, but we, we use the term fine chocolate because it's an umbrella term, and it um, you know it represents the, the, the top tier of, of the chocolate market. Now, if I if I was a chocoholic, I guess, or I'm a great chocolate maker, what's the proposition that? your organization makes to me well right? I think why, the, should, why should I why should I belong right well the value proposition number one is, is you're able to network with others in in the chocolate industry space and uh, the, the wonderful thing about fine chocolate companies is that they're very embracing they, they like to exchange in, uh, information and help each other out so there's there's that whole community part of it uh, you know, another thing that the Fine Chocolate Industry Association is also doing uh, is weekly uh, educational webinars. So, and companies, our member companies actually decide the topics that they want us to cover. So we bring in experts in different areas, and members at no additional cost to them can participate in these live webinars, or they can get recordings of them afterwards. So it provides, uh, again, a, a way to keep abreast of what's happening in the industry and to learn about uh, new technologies and, and new strategies to grow businesses. Now, the, um, I read somewhere that, um, that this pandemic 
has resulted in sales of chocolate soaring. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I think I, I wouldn't say that it, it, the sales have been soaring, but um, I think the small chocolate companies have been resilient. Um, many of them who used to sell in specialty uh, specialty retail outlets or or other or, or festivals have turned to online sales, and that's meant that they've had to to really become more IT uh, savvy and and look at how they can promote online sales. And in that regard, uh, I know another area that Fine Chocolate Industry Association is helping companies is we've developed a uh, a virtual or a web-based marketplace called MakeMineFine.com. Oh, and nice. on that site, yeah, we have over a hundred of our company members listed there um, that sell uh, directly to consumers online, and all of them have GPS coordinates, so the consumer can actually go and find out where the closest uh, chocolate company is to them, or they can also do a search and find, for example, uh, non-GMO or vegan chocolate or any other kind of specialty that they might be seeking. Well, you know, um, I, I went to a presentation and included, um, you know, Monami chocolate? Yes. Yes, yes well, Amy's. Yeah, they are members. Yeah, well, they're good. Um, but... She she had all this technical information about chocolate that I never realized it was just so technical. It is. It, it's an art form, and, and that's where these educational webinars are fun. We've had companies uh, of all different sizes and backgrounds uh, provide information on, on their businesses, and they some of them do live demonstrations where they actually show tempering, they show how to use different kinds of equipment that uh, in, in making of chocolate. Um, so there's so many different uh, nuances to making fine chocolate that are covered in these weekly webinars. And, and I'm really enjoying them myself because I'm learning as, as I go along as well. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, I worked on a, a chef's cookbook and, and um, with, the, with the pastry chef uh, on that part of the book. Um, they, they, talked about tempering and so forth, and it got so technical, I skipped the whole thing. <laughs> that yes. and the sugar, spun sugar got, got me too. I couldn't get my head around that one either. You know, that's, <laughs> the, that's the great thing about it too is you, you can continually learn. There, you, the, there's endless amounts of topics that, that we've been able to cover. I think we've done 45 webinars in the last year and a really? half. And yes, and every week we come up with, uh, you know, a fresh new set of, of topics and, uh, that the companies want to hear about. And we get about 100 uh, participants on each one of these weekly calls, so there's definitely a demand for it. Well, tell us some of these topics. Well, we, we, we have topics such as during the pandemic, we had one on how to apply for PPP loans for companies oh, yeah. that were struggling through that. Uh, we have some on regulatory, some of the regulatory issues uh, concerning fine chocolate or, or chocolate products. Uh, we've had others on, on demonstrations on tempering or, or a variety of, of uh, you know, live demonstrations on making different kinds of chocolate products. Um, some have been on Cocoa Origins. We, we did uh, two factory tours where actually um, we had a webinar where we had a virtual tour of, of uh, 
a factory in, in uh, the Dominican Republic and saw how the beans come in and how they're fermented and dried. So, so I think that was of great interest as well. Yeah, I mean, I think people need to be reminded that with the soaring of, I'm going to keep using the word soaring, but this popularity of fermentation, highly visible process now, uh, they have to be reminded that chocolate is a fermented product. That's right. How are you on the history of chocolate? I, I'm, I'm not an expert on the history of chocolate. I know some about it I, in general terms, like I was mentioning, about how how it was brought from from Mesoamerica to Europe and made into, you know, it was, it was really in drink form, like you were saying, and then has become more popularized um, in, into chocolate bars in, in recent times. Um, you, you, you I know a lot about... You, okay. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Here, here, here's the thing that's always puzzled me. The, the, the chocolate business in my native land was, was, has been dominated for probably 300 years by people who share the same religious beliefs. They're all Quakers. <laughs> Quakers, mm-hmm. yeah. And, yes. And I've, all, I've always wondered why. Some, some of them were Quakers from Bristol. In the case of mm-hmm. Cadbury, they, they built their own yes. town. In, in near, near where I grew up in York, there's a maker called Terry's. So I always always wondered why why that was something that they picked as a place where you could make a living, and I'm sh- sure they all made a good living too. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I don't know all of the details about the the background with 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 Quakers in in the UK, but. Um, Certainly, Cadbury has been one of the most successful companies. Of course, it's been bought by Mondelez since then. Um, but a lot of the, the the other beauty behind a lot of the, these chocolate companies, whether they be even the large ones or, or the, the fine chocolate, is that a lot of them are family-run and operated. Um, and I find that very interesting and exciting as well uh, to see something that, that really brings on you know a whole family to, to, to support. I mean, I keep asking people over and over again. In southwestern Pennsylvania, I discovered that almost all the uh, chocolate tears were Greek. (laughs) Uh Isn't that odd? And nobody Mm -hmm. knows. Even the Greeks don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where does white chocolate fit in with all of this? Well, white chocolate is is a you know it's a portion of the of of the, the. the chocolate um, byproducts, and um, you know it's popular. It's it's you know I'd have to look on the on the data to see its popularity, but I think you know there, there, it's it's a much smaller segment of, of the the market, but um, but certainly has a has a uh, you know a sizable consumption base as well. Yeah, I don't like it. I've never had it. Growing, growing up when I was a relatively small child, I guess. A chocolate bar came on the market called the Milky Way, mm-hmm. which, was a white, which is a white chocolate bar. I, I, I will admit I, I never did care for it. <laughs> I don't like milk. I don't like milk chocolate either. No. Well, you know, the, he the, doesn't. The, the, we the give thing. away. We could all do samples all the time, and we always give away the um, the white chocolate. <laughs> I mean, not the white chocolate, but, the uh, milk chocolate, which is funny because that's the chocolate Peter was raised on. English chocolate mm-hmm. was all milk chocolate. Well, well my, my favorite is, is, is well. Cadbury's. 
mm-hmm. which was a dark chocolate. Right, right. My well, favorite is, is still the dark chocolate as well, and, and I think oh, you too. see the majority of uh, fine fine chocolate companies uh, use dark chocolate. No, the the French took over um, a, a kind of the mentors of, of chocolate chocolate makers starting out, uh, and there's some really fine ones in France. Uh, we talked and interviewed one woman uh, who studied from the the fine chocolate French fine chocolate masters, uh, and uh, but she was from Israel, and. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't realize at the time that Israel just has no history of chocolate, so it's a real hard sell. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Now there's some some great chocolate companies in France. Some some of the larger ones, Valrhona, Samois, and and others, um, and then many many smaller ones. So um, there's there's also a, a large um, festival called Salon de Chocolat, which you're probably aware of. Where, right. Where all I of never the, went to that, the, but the, that's... The, the top European Companies go to that, and maybe even have uh, one in the United States. Uh, t- tell us about. I mean, there's always a new trend in the chocolate industry. Tell us about some trends, current ones. Well, you know, I think that we, we did a, a consumer survey with the National Confectioners Association about a year and a half ago, just to get a better understanding of what chocolate consumers are seeking in the United States. And what we found with, with fine chocolate, it's, it's about the five, between 5 and 10% top tier of the market. It tends to attract uh, millennials. Um, millennials are large consumers of fine chocolate and those that are more affluent and live in urban areas. Um, and some of the trends that they like, they, a lot of them like to eat fine chocolate on its own, just in bar form. But you also see those that like to to pair it with with other um, drinks such as coffee or tea or or or, or li- liqueurs of different kinds. Yeah, definitely with wine. Um, and as far as the chocolate mix itself, I, we, we that was one of the questions we asked in the survey. And and almonds actually came out um, at the at the top level of of what fine chocolate consumers like to to, uh, to eat. The yes. nuts. With it, in, yes. Well, the, there yeah. was a candy bar that was so popular with almond joy. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Right. Yeah. I think that's still still out there. That's still out made there, right? by by the large, large large manufacturers. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, I uh, one of my neighbors growing up was the uh, what do you call it? The, he he was the he, he was the singer. And he did all the uh, on radio advertising for the Clark Candy Company, mm-hmm. and and so I I grew up with a whole bunch of Clark Candy bars, <laughs> <laughs> and I still remember. Do you remember they had they had all those funny zoo animals on the in advertising? Then they're always here's a giraffe saying, "I want a Clark bar." <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a good, good marketing tool. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, this whole thing of, with nostalgia is another aspect of the chocolate, but not fine chocolate industry. Mm-hmm. They, they bring back all these um, iconic um, chocolate bars and things like that. I mean, it, some of the uh, the stores they actually um, they, they buy this and, and sell it 
Sweet, so, I didn't, so. didn't, somebody, didn't somebody buy the Clark Candy Company? I think so. They were going to reissue they the Clark Bar. They didn't have the right equipment. It was all kinds of stuff. I don't know what's all. But mm-hmm. there's all kinds of, but that's not exactly fine chocolate. <laughs> No. But but you know this this is a the, the, the this is an interesting time too because we're as we look towards uh, Valentine's Day it's just a little over two weeks and um, it'll be interesting to to see how how the uh, how the, the sales go for the holiday um, I think a lot of people now with the pandemic you know are staying at home and so uh, what I'm hoping is that they will take that time to 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 pre-order fine chocolate for their their loved ones and and this is the perfect time to do it and um you know i as i mentioned before we we have this wonderful website that has listings of over a hundred of our company members that sell online so i hope your listeners will will think about ordering your chocolate uh, sooner rather than later so that it gets yeah well i mean part of that i think comes from um the idea of chocolate as an aphrodisiac right but some people, yeah, I've seen studies on that. Yeah, so it's certainly I, I can say that it, from from what uh, what I know about fine chocolate is that it lifts the mood, and um, you know, it you don't have to eat a large amount; you can eat it in small portions and really savor the, the you know the wonderful taste of of the product. Right, um, I, I I noticed that, that chocolate makers pick up on other trends in the specialty food industry, which remember when we started having all these um, hot spices and chocolate and so forth? Yes, yes. And you, you still see that. There's there's different kinds of trends. I, I know that chocolate bombs are are another, you know, recent trend that I've seen. Yeah, what is online. that? And I see advertisements for chocolate bombs. I should know more about it myself, and I, 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 I don't know all the details. <laughs> but it's certainly something too. that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and but, it's but, most you know, like satisfying. Said, overall, yeah. Go ahead. But I, I, but I think overall, you know, people just love to eat it in in bar or bonbon form, and and as a hot chocolate drink, um, all of those are very popular. Now, uh, what about is this just a lot of spiel about the health benefits of chocolate? There have been a lot of studies on it, and. Um, Fine chocolate is is higher in antioxidants than than a lot of other foods, so so there are some health benefits to it. It it, it would not be considered a health food. Yeah, I was going to say I think that's a stretch. <laughs> I it, yeah, it's not a health food, but it certainly is a lot better for you than than most of the other you know candy products or mass market chocolate on on the market because it has. If you look at the ingredients, there's fewer ingredients. It's higher in yeah. cocoa content, which is good for you. Lower in sugar. Right. And then one other thing that I wanted you to comment on is uh, we've worked with a lot of startup um, chocolate companies, and uh, there seems to be this pattern where there's a fine chocolate maker um, making uh, really unique um, chocolates, and they catch on and they get bigger and the next thing you know, one of the major big chocolate companies buys them out. And so they sell the company to the big overlord of the chocolate industry. It, comment on that, would you please? 
Um, I've seen that as well. I think uh, certainly, you know, I've seen with, with Scharfenberger and, and other um, fine chocolate brands that have been purchased by, by multinationals. Yeah, I was sick of that one right away, yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but, you know, it's not always a bad thing when, when, when a smaller company is acquired. That, that's good for the, for the uh, small company owner. Um, but there's also, I think, lots of space for fine chocolate. And, and actually, fine, fine chocolate, the majority of the companies are, are small businesses. And the, the reason they succeed is because they're innovative and they, they know what their consumers want, and they can easily change and, and adapt to, to what their consumers are seeking. So I think, actually, small business has an advantage uh, in, in the fine chocolate space. Well, one other thing I'd like to call out um, – if, if we're talking about Valentine's Day, uh, I had occasion to, to do this. Um, France Chocolate um, sells these really beautiful heart-shaped boxes, satin mm-hmm. boxes with a nice clasp on it. And apparently what people do is they then um, they eat the chocolate and then they, they um, send it back and have it refilled <laughs> for the next Oh, batch that's of interesting. Isn't that interesting? I, I hadn't heard that. I think that's a it's a great idea, and it, it saves on packaging. So that's that's a great that's yeah a great business model. And, and the other thing is that so many of these uh, these startup or not startup at this point. I mean, but so many of these chocolatiers, uh, artisanal chocolatiers, um, have very generous uh, social responsibility and um, activist roles in protecting the farmers. I mean, you have this. Um, What's it called? Uh, Sean Askenosi's, uh What's it? Chocolate University, where actually um, students from universities um, go and and actually spend a week or two weeks or whatever it is in the village working with the chocolate uh, with the cacao growers. So um, and well, and then he it. donates all kinds of money. You know, I mean, so I I think that that there's a. a philanthropic bent to these artisanal chocolate makers as well. <laughs> so, well, you have a good you, job, you, yeah. I think, here, Bill. <laughs> well, I, I do too. And, and you know, my, my expertise is more on the, on the cocoa sourcing side, the, the farmer side. So when that resonates really well with, with me. And I, I love seeing how these companies are giving back to cocoa farmers. The, the majority of them pay premiums to, to cocoa farmers. And oh, yeah. even more than that, they, they you know they they help to to support community development efforts and um, biodiversity. Podcasting services for on the menu radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.net. And we're going to be talking to Mark Grunhut, uh, who actually is a member of the family that owns um, Astro Chocolates, which is our next company. And you close your eyes and see if you can taste some of this good stuff. It's been, it's been in the family for a long, long time. They started out with one shop. Now they sell all over the United States, and it's good stuff. Yeah, well, we have a pair on the, on the today, Mark Grunhut and Tori Halfen. Mark, you are um, a, a member of the, the founding family, and Tori, you were in Las Vegas, I understand, and, um, and you were the brand manager. 
And we're going to be talking all about this incredible company, Aster Chocolate. Um, I went on your website, and just can you do a brief, um, just a brief summary of where the company started? And you, I don't know how you're going to follow up on its growth because you're, in 2013, you, you celebrated 50 years in business, in this chocolate business, but every year you expanded it somewhere or another. It's not a static company. Uh, give us a shot, though, about uh, its founding um, in, and then it's moving to the U.S., Mark. Okay, sure. Uh, so basically my grandfather, great-grandfather, uh, Leopold Grunhut, started the company out in uh, Czechoslovakia as stores. He actually started off as a uh, broker for small stores, boutique stores, between the manufacturers and them. And he was so enamored by the concept that he actually stopped that and opened up his own small stores, three of them. And at the start of World War II, he had to relocate to the U.S., which he did after the World War II. Um, so in 1950, he, together with his son, my grandfather, Erwin uh, Grunhut, started Astor Chocolate. Um, they started it as a very small operation, and you know he then left the company in, his, in, the, son, in the hands of his son when he was able to. Um, so my grandfather, Erwin, with his vision, he felt that he wanted to focus on a few interesting uh, niche markets, which at the time was very saturated with a lot of stores. Um, so what he did was he opened up, he decided to run after the hospitality. At the time, in Europe, there was a concept of having the chocolates and turndown in, in yeah. hotels. <laughs> so he said, hey, why not bring it to the U.S.? So as far as we know, you know, the, the family tradition is that he was the first to open it in the U.S., I mean, who knows if that if that's yeah, actually the but way it was. Reading, but reading about this development of this company, I would really like to have met some of these figures in your family. I mean, they, they really were on their toes, weren't they? Yeah, they were really on their toes. Um, really hard worker. He would he would uh, get up in the morning early, take his suitcase, um, and literally walk the streets of Manhattan. From you know, from hotel to the hotels. I, I, it could be his first hotel was the Waldorf Astoria. I don't recall uh-huh. in New York City, um, but he he uh, targeted the um, I would say the luxury space because it it's a giveaway. Um, you know, their their uh, guests kind of many of them were international travelers that came came to expect such amenities, so uh-huh. they would put out this chocolate. Um, he would, he had this thing where he only would buy the chocolate from Belgium. Um, you know, he felt that each country produced the chocolate. You know, obviously the origins from either either the uh, Ivory Coast or um, you know somewhere else in Africa or even in, in uh, South America. There's a lot of uh, sources, but the way each country or each tradition. A process that chocolate, he felt that it was important, I'm sorry about the ring, um, he felt that it was important to um, to kind of focus in 
in the Belgian space. Uh, he liked that it was kind of um, creamier, the milk, but he also liked the techniques and the way they processed the dark chocolate. Uh-huh. Um, right. It's a fine science, but you know, your, your whole history is marked with all this innovation. Um, you yeah. know, when, I mean, of course, this turned out service thing was a really big one, but, um, you know, actually uh, putting liqueur in, in little chocolate cups, I don't think was even legal, right? Right. So, excellent point. Uh, he created those chocolate liquor cups as an antidote to that, um, that law that was passed. He felt that, what are you going to do now? So he created these um, liquor cups so you can kind of put anything you want, whether it was alcoholic beverage or not. Um, I'm not I'm not even familiar. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of young with the history. I'm not even familiar whether to, to consume alcohol at that time, maybe you would remember, was that illegal or legal? Oh, I mean, it was, prob- it was, probably, it was probably illegal in states which continued... Uh, prohibition even after the even after the the amendment to the constitution made it legal. Yeah, okay. I mean it was up to the states and stuff. But anyhow, well, I okay. thought that was ingenious. And then uh, I'm looking at this chess set now. What an yeah. incredible promotion that is! Designed by a famous artist. It doesn't say who, but you have white chocolate and dark chocolate. And even the chessboard, the checkerboard, was um, edible. And mm-hmm. and boy, and I don't know what it sold for, but but it was high end because you're you're in Neiman Marcus, Bloomingdale's, and, yeah. and so forth. And we're all high end at the, in the day back in the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you, you you did greeting cards, and I mean, who would have hmm. thought that all this stuff was possible and yet yeah. you know your your ancestors thought of it all yes thank you yeah actually he you know he had an angle of looking at things that led to this kind of innovation his angle was that you want to be there for people in their special moments whether mm-hmm. it's in a hotel room or in a um gift to your wife or husband um or you want to you know, bring something back from the hotel, from the airports. Yes, souvenirs. You know, that was really exactly. So he always had this attitude, like he was thinking, what what would bring some meaning to somebody's life if he presented this to that person? You know, what would it be coming to a party with a couple with a box of liquor cups, or what would it be coming into a hotel room and seeing a chocolate there? He wasn't, you know, at that point competing against an idea that already was there and trying to do it better. He was just trying to bring meaningfulness to people's lives. Um, well, did and you the know chest, him? No. Sure. Did you? Okay. So yeah, what, he was, what, what, uh, yeah, he was, you he was like very him? innovative. We loved, yeah, we loved him. Um, he was an interesting person. He, he always liked to fiddle. Like He was always fidgeting with a pen uh-huh. in his hand, and he would always like pick things up, little gadgets, and try to think, what could I do with that? You know, <laughs> so he was like, he, there was a, even a person here that worked here that her daughter loved horses and she unfortunately fell off the horse 
and was uh, maybe paralyzed or just hospitalized oh, for a very long time. And he went on a, sh- a trip somewhere, and I'm not sure where, and he found this little horse, uh, I guess like a paper, uh, maybe a paperweight or, uh, you know, a tabletop icon, and he <laughs> brought it back for her. You know, oh. he just thought... He just thought different, and yeah. he always thought of a way to bring meaning to somebody's life, but with with ideas that nobody nobody would think of. And, and then, of course, you you revved up a notch when you hired that uh, Sebastian Bellin. Uh, we, we were actually originally supposed to be interviewing him. He's a French chef, fourth generation mm-hmm. chef. Now he had to up the game for the quality of the chocolate produced, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what I would say stands out about Sebastian most is his humility. I know it's funny to say that because we're trying to profile his expertise, but he re- that really it, it really stands out about him. You know, we wrote that on our website, but it's really true. Um, he we deal a lot with B two B, so we'll, uh-huh. we'll you know he'll he'll have to collaborate with either supermarket chains or hotels. Um, sometimes airlines, and you know they have they know, they a lot of times have a vision of what they're looking for, mm-hmm. and he you know he just doesn't he'll never he'll never pull that I'm from France I trained in in the uh, La Patisserie Ladera Ladera or whatever however they say it yeah Ladera I, I know I remember Ladera from Paris yeah and, and yeah, I'm and asking Peter if he remembered it it's on that one you've been there square yeah sure. Yeah, wow. they, they compete with place. each other. There are two. There are two. There are two uh, patisseries yeah. on across on opposite sides of the Place Madeleine. One of, one of them is called Fauchon, and the other one is, is this other name that I can never pronounce. Uh, and they're, they're wanted, all high end. I wanted to ask. A, I wanted to ask a question. It's kind of intriguing. Yeah. It's been intriguing me. <laughs> your your family came from Czechoslovakia, but yeah. but their name A S T O R. He's actually quite quite American, and the, the, story, the story goes that John John Jacob, I think Astor, who was a very 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 wealthy man, mm-hmm. had had the Waldorf Astoria Hotel built so that his, his people who were visiting him would have a place to stay. <laughs> but he, sa- sadly, he went down with the Titanic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember I was just on Twitter and somebody was asking a question about something. And um, uh, it was the the 21 Club has uh, closed. And uh, I was there. um, I was, I think, I was in high school and and I got some sort of a, um, a, a, I won a trip to New York for speech or something. And, uh, yeah, and uh, they put us up in the Waldorf. Um, that was that many. I was in high school, which is a long time ago. <laughs> it's been going since then. Um, yeah, and and I was so impressed by, by it. And then they had that wonderful. Remember, we had a dinner um, there Peacock, at Cali. Who Peacock Alley before it before it closed? Right, exactly Peacock Alley, and yeah, yeah we had that. Times. Oh really? Yeah, well. <laughs> It was fun because um, they didn't tell the waiters. It was a tasting menu, and they didn't tell the waiters what any of the dishes were. 
And you know how they all came out with the, the cover on them and would take lift off the cover and they would say, voila. And they were always surprised because they had no idea what it was. <laughs> so we, were, we had Funny. a good time, yeah. So, um, okay, now uh, back to, to this list of products. Um, you kept adapting to the times. Um, you discovered um, ecological responsibility at some point, so you, you yeah. made alterations to your production. I'm looking at pictures of, um, of, of sun panels um, from 2012. You, mm-hmm. you you celebrated then 50 years in 2013, and then 2020 you were into health and wellness. And, and tell us about chocolate for nurses and doctors. Okay, um, actually, Tori would I'd I'd hand the floor to Tori because she was hands on in this project. Okay, Tori, um, what are you saying it, about it? Go ahead. Absolutely. I, I'd also, if I can, like to talk about the sustainability for a second. Um, yeah, I'd that like that too. It's and we're all supporting my the... heart. Hmm? It's, the sustainability is very near and dear to my heart. Um, okay. And I'm so proud of what Aster has achieved. And it's something that we very rarely talk about because mm-hmm. the Grunhut family just feels like they should do the right thing for the right reasons and not really advertise it. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's huge accomplishments, and it's really innovative. And uh, Mark's dad, David Grunhut, has been asked to speak on these uh, sustainability initiatives that we've instituted at multiple trade shows uh, nationally. So it's something that is recognized in the industry uh, for its excellence and, and uniqueness. Well, so, that's uh, what, applause on that because we need that. Yeah. I mean, it's becoming <laughs> um, just super clear that if we don't do it, we're going to be in, you know, go the way of the dinosaurs. So, <laughs> absolutely, and um, you know, the next generation is very important to us. So, some of the key things that uh, we've initiated in our manufacturing center there in Lakewood, New Jersey, is what we call a tri-generation system. And we not only have, uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, the largest uh, solar array on a business in the state of New Jersey, but we also, uh, if you can imagine when you melt chocolate, you have to use a double boiler, and we have enormous double boilers. And the water is heated through natural gas, and then we recapture that steam that spins turbines that power the rest of the facility. And we can even take some of that steam to heat the offices. Uh, it's really a, an incredible system. And Mark's father, David, gives tours of, of, the, of the production uh-huh. facility and shows people the turbines, and it's really exciting um, uh-huh. and just, like, completely brilliant. And he's spoken, like I mentioned, at, at multiple uh, trade shows, um, asking other manufacturing companies to uh, copy us. And also, um, you know, reclaim their energy and, and make their facilities as sustainable as possible. We also have a zero waste tolerance in our manufacturing center. We hire production um, engineers, packaging engineers, that design the case packs so that there isn't waste inside, like bubble wrap and popcorn and all of these things that would just become trash. 
Um, so each corrugated box is designed to perfectly fit the items inside of it. Um, and everything that is possible to be recycled is recycled or is just reduced and taken out of the equation altogether. So those which, are some of the things that I feel really proud about. Which of you would like to tell our listeners about the mood chocolates? <laughs> That's a funny one. Can I tell one story first? Is we I, we were sending our granddaughter to Philadelphia um, a, a gift uh, for mm-hmm. an event in her life, and we I had this. Um, I shouldn't tell you where it's from. <laughs> it's from Friends Chocolate. I had it was a beautiful heart shaped box that people nice. sometimes take and have them refilled with Friends Chocolate, which is a wonderful brand. I'm sure you know. So, but sure. anyhow. We we put um, money um, uh, in it, and just sort of offhand at the last minute, Peter took two of these mood bars and put them in, suck, suck it in. <laughs> well, when she called to thank us, I think she liked the mood bars better than she liked the money. <laughs> and she yeah, said she was going to open a, a, a debit. She's 13, by the way. She was going to open a debit account, and she was going to use her debit Credit card, um, debit card, to buy mood chocolate from Esther. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great That's story. So awesome. <laughs> Maggie, what, what was what was in the what was in there was a fifty dollar bill. <laughs> you think she would have liked that better? Yeah, well, <laughs> it probably wouldn't buy much chocolate. Actually, but, but, exactly. But who's who's going to tell us the story of the different colors in the wrapper and all that stuff? Yeah, tell us about the mood bars. They're so really, pretty. It's really quite quite amazing. Can and I go uh, on your website and just order that package? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, okay. So you sell it as a package. Okay. Yeah. We also so, have um, a kit which has uh, 24 of the bars inside. We call it the Mega Moody box. It's really adorable, and it makes great That's gifts. the one we have, is it? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I that's love awesome. it. We've almost we've almost finished it. Thanks thanks to me. We I love the we. I mean I don't even I don't even. Eat. I don't blame you. And the, and the and the UPS man loves chocolate. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about what started this mood thing and how you got the colors and everything set up. The graphics yes. are wonderful. So I, you know, as you know, the the uh, emojis are very popular in today's young generation. Yeah. Um, they use it as a way to communicate, almost to say a whole sentence in one little emoji. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so we were thinking, you know, how about if we use chocolate to as a way to communicate? And when someone's happy, they'll communicate in one way, while the, when they're Excited, they'll communicate another way, and when they're grumpy, they'll communicate it in another, in, in yet a third way. As a matter of fact, we we actually had a Hollywood star order one for her producer, a whole case a whole case of grumpy just to make a statement. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was an expensive message, but what the hell, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of. You know, it, it's more than just the wrapper. It's really the flavor that's behind it. Uh, we did a lot of deep thinking of what would a person do when they're happy or when, what would the person do when they're blah or grumpy. Um, 
I'm sure that's something we can... How did you decide that? I mean, did you have a psychologist working with you or what? I I think we just tested it on our salespeople. What mood are you in? (laughs) (laughs) One one thing I will tell you, there's a lot of milk chocolate bars in there, and I'm ordinarily not very fond of milk chocolate at all. This is the very best milk chocolate I have ever tasted in my whole life. Thank you, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Thank yeah. you. Well, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, you've got to give that credit to Sebastian. You know, he's... Yeah, Sebastian did it too, okay. All right, well... Tell Sebastian we love his concoctions. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I eat them by, by breaking off in little pieces and then sucking them till it all collapses. How yes. could you eat a whole box of them, Rabbit? I don't understand. No, the, 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 the UPS man helped me. Yeah, I see. <laughs> well, so Peter, you you appreciate dark chocolate more than milk, right? Is there the, the interesting thing is I grew, I grew up and every everybody in my family liked milk chocolate. I hate in it. England. Yeah, I grew up in England, so I so I like Cadbury's Cadbury's Bourneville, which comes in which comes in really sizable chocolate bars, but it's very dark, very dark and very mysterious looking and very mm-hmm. dark and very mysterious tasting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I personally also like dark. It kind of is a little more robust, but it's got to be quality, you know, to oh, have right. oh, yeah. to have that fruity uh, appeal, you know. Yeah, but there's, there's such no, good no chocolate out there now. I mean, and, and the mm-hmm. chocolate companies... I found that the chocolatiers are really special people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they they do all kinds of charitable, uh, educational things. Um, yes. I mean, it's uh, like a, a Sean. What's his name? Rather. Askenazi. Askenazi. I mean, do you know him? Uh, not personally. Askenazi. We well, should get to know him. He does so many interesting things. He sends. Um, students of university age to work in these villages and like in in africa and south america to learn what the villages of the culture is about not just the chocolate it's interesting Mm -hmm. yes i I want to congratulate you on on many many fronts including quality of your um uh, your your the chocolate itself um the, the interesting concepts you have um, customer service, um, you're charitable, and uh, especially, um, and Tori, this is the uh, sustainability issue as well, since we're all really pulling for people to wake up to the fact that uh, it's not an if at all anymore. It's just absolutely, they have to. Mm-hmm. So, Thank anyhow, you. this has been a great treat for us to talk to you. Thank you. It's Thank been you. our delight as well. Well, tell me one last thing. Tell our listeners the best website. <laughs> it's www.astorchocolate.com. That's A-S-T-O-R. Yes, and it's chocolate singular because that always gets people. Correct. I mean, they'll Correct. put an S on it and they won't get to the right place. Yeah. Okay, and you can buy it right offline. Yes, uh, we have a really beautiful new website. Um, Mark and I had been working very diligently on it the last few months. So it's got uh, beautiful new products. 
very easy to shop, and um, we would love to invite everyone to check it out. I, I will do that. Next up, we love so much about Peru, and we just discovered another reason to love it, um, chocolate, cacao. Cacao Suyo is the um, company making this wonderful artisanal chocolate, and we're going to be talking to San Marigia about that. Okay. We're doing first things first, Samir, trying to figure out your multicultural, multinational uh, history. <laughs> Tell us again. <laughs> it's, your name is Middle Eastern. It's Samir Gia. And that you That's were right. okay, and um, that you were born in Peru. Tell us from there about your your uh, your Ajara here. <laughs> sure. Well, um, uh, thank you, and hello, and hello, Peter. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Of course, I've been all over the place, mostly yeah, in Peru, where I was born, and I was I, I did grow up in Massachusetts. Uh, about an hour south of Boston, a small town called Somerset. My oh, dad yeah. was a medical doctor, so he studied in Georgetown University. Um, and uh, while he was doing med school, I, I lived in the, in, in the States. I was very small then. Came back to Peru for a few years and then went back to the United States where I really grew up. I went to elementary school and through college in the States. But that's why you have an American accent. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I have an American accent. I went uh, went from from elementary uh, school through college, and I actually studied in Pennsylvania. You said that. And we're what part of the state? Yeah, I, I went to school at Muhlenberg College in Allentown. Allentown? Oh, okay, You're on. kidding! Wow, you have been all over the place. <laughs> have you always been a chocolatier? No, I've been all over the place. Just like from traveling, I've been all over. I started actually when I came out of college. Um, I started working in textiles. Actually, I did real well in textiles, uh, and I wanted to invest in something different. But after my first few years in textiles, I ended up singing. So I have a, I had a singing career for a few years <laughs> for recorded albums, and I was a. Uh, a Peruvian, what kind of music? Uh, a well-known Peruvian artist. Yeah. Oh, well, you are an artist. What what kind of oh, music? I, I guess you... I still am. Yes. <laughs> uh huh. What 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 kind of music do you do? Well, I I did pop music, ballads, and stuff like that. And then and then um, after my singing, I I got back to textiles, and uh, I actually, actually was I was doing record. I was in the record business. I was I was. Uh, <laughs> From a singer, I became a record executive. I became a general manager. I had my own record company. I recorded artists. So um, I, I had a long time in the music industry. Uh, as I, I mean, I managed EMI Records here in Peru. Uh, I, I had a lot of different companies that I, I worked uh, with as a, as a licensee. And then I had my own company. So I recorded uh, mostly others, not myself. I was done with the singing at that point. And then uh, when I went back to textiles, actually, um, because there was a lot of piracy here on uh, uh, music, it was all, all the CDs were pirated and everything, so it was a big, big it, was, it wasn't a business anymore. So um, I, went back to, I went back to textiles, and textiles did real well, 
And with, with, with the money I was making there, I said, I want to invest in something else because I see that um, textiles is also on its way down in our country. Um, my, I studied economics. Um, that was what I majored in. So I kind of had a view of what, what was coming in. I said, textiles is going away a little bit, and cacao is coming in. Chocolate, so let's invest in <laughs> chocolate. And that's how it came to chocolate. Well, you know what? I, I must say, I mean, we interview a lot of people and a lot of uh, chocolatiers, and I have to say that the the artisanal chocolate makers are probably the most interesting group of people I've ever met. I moved, interviewed people who were uh, top-notch criminal defense attorneys and people. I mean, it's just it, <laughs> it's all over the board. You probably know all these people, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Sure and you're talking about Eskenazi. And I know yes. I've also seen your, your uh, I've also heard um, a good now farm is they're both great. That's amazing. And the, oh, and the sure, great thing sure. about this, this is, is, is the great thing about our community is that, um, uh, you know, it's, it's just, we, we see each other every once in a while. I mean, I'm not good friends with that, with, with everybody because in the States we don't get to see the people much, but here uh, when we go to Europe and different places, we see each other a lot and it's a really nice community. Um, oh, I love you know, it, yeah. we, we all have like really good values. We want our chocolate to be, you know, uh, made from uh, fairly traded and all these direct trade and, yeah. and stuff like that. So, we, so, so we get along really well, and it's, it's, a, it's a really nice, nice uh, um, group of people. Now, the company <laughs> we're talking about, listeners, is Cacao, Cacao Suyo. And uh, I don't know if that means anything, Suyo added to Cacao, does it? It actually does, you know, cacao suyo is, is, would be one word, and cacao is, is it's actually a fantasy name. It's made up from the cacao, which is the, the scientific name of the, the cocoa tree. It's the yeah. aroma cacao, and then it's, it's, uni- it's united with suyo, which some people might think it's from uh, the Spanish word yours, but actually it's, it's, um, it means region in Quechua, and the Incan Empire was known as Tawantin Suyo. Okay, oh, that wow. was the Inca Empire. So, it, it, so kind of, for us, it's like the region of cacao. Oh, and, and cacao well, is native to Peru, right? Among, yes, among it is. And it's a, it it, it is. I mean, there are a lot of native trees and, and varieties in different parts of the world, but actually, um, Peter, what you just mentioned is, is something that's a, a fairly new findings uh, through genetic testings uh, DNA and whatnot done at USDA in the United States, um, they have discovered that the center of origin, genetic origin of cacao is Peru. We have is it really? six out of the ten genetic clusters that have been identified. So that, that by definition, makes this the center of origin. Well, um, no, the reason only, that we... No, not only that, it, was also, it also had religious significance too, right? Yeah, I mean, well, the Incas believed that this gave them power. And if you yeah. think a little bit about this, cacao has, um, you know, high contents of theobromine, which makes you happy, uh, and has also uh, caffeine. So it made them powerful. And in bodies that haven't been, I guess, subjected to so many different drugs and whatnot, I guess it was really powerful for them. And that's why it became so important in but, in these native uh, communities, the Incas, the Mayans, the you know. But the Montezuma didn't eat chocolate bars; he drank spiced chocolate liquid. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In those days, in the past, it was just a drink, and it was actually a bitter drink, right? Yeah. So we all know that part. And there was actually a lot of trade going on between the Incas, the Mayans, Aztecs, and all these tribes along the way. So that's how they believe that um, cacao got all the way up to, to Mexico. Well, now, we, t- we told, um, I told you, or at least I put in an email, um, about um, how much we love Peru and um, and we know a lot of chefs in Lima and and there it, it's a, a, I guess it's better understood now the cuisine of Peru um, but it's it's not a singular cuisine we we know um, um, let's see we have the, the Spanish ancestry of chefs we have the um, the Japanese ancestry chefs. We, and each of these has a different terminology associated with it. But it's not a singular cuisine. Am I correct? Um, it, it, Peruvian cuisine has a lot of influences, like and, I mean, and many other countries have influences. Um, there are a lot of uh, um, you know products that come from different parts of the world that, that have converged in different places. In Peru, we have a lot of influence just from China, from Japan, but right. but the cuisine local is 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 basically um, has become Peruvian and it comes from different regions. So right. mostly identified as by coastal, you know, highlands and jungle. Yeah. So that's well, how we, um, what's his name? Does the whole menu on that? Um, what's his name? Um, uh, Virgilio. Um, Okay, Rogelio, yeah. Uh, um, he, does, yes. he does a whole menu having Virgilio. to do with altitude. Yeah, yeah. that's Virgilio Martinez, and he, he has a, a, um, a restaurant in Lima, he has a restaurant in London, he has a restaurant yeah. in... Uh, in does Texas, he still have in, a one in, in London? In Cusco. I believe he, he, does, he still does. It's called Lima. Yeah, you know, we were there. We've been there, but I don't know if it's open now. I mean, the, the London restaurants have really, they've been open and closed and open and closed, and half of them are surviving. But no, we went to that really funny, uh, it's a, what do you call a, um, um, a, a Chinese Peruvian restaurant? It was a strange <laughs> experience. You know who I'm talking yes, about? Yes, actually. I believe it's 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 called no I know it's called we call them chifas chifas but chifas uh, I believe that it comes from the word Chinese chifang which uh-huh. I believe is rice I'm, I'm not I, I, well I, I mean it was it, it was hysterical I mean if if he doesn't like you you don't get in <laughs> he's like a oh, little tyrant <laughs> who is that. The chef, and he was made famous by Tony Bourdain, and we were on a press tour of Lima uh, for the um, right. the best restaurants in, in South America, and um, sure. yeah, and and they arranged for us to go there. We're all there. Nobody has a say on anything that they eat or drink, you know. And he just makes what he feels like, and you have to eat it. <laughs> oh, so that must be Chef Wong, right? That's 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 it. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah, oh yeah, he he you go in his place and he makes he makes it up, but he uses a lot of flounder, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> we laughed so hard; it was like such a strange experience. But um, oh yeah, there, we there also went to like that. that. There's some closed door places like that. 
Yeah, well, we also went to that big food festival uh, right on the beach that goes on forever. Uh, Misura. Misura. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. went. That's so what? anyhow, and, and uh, what's, what's um, oh, Nike, um he has a, a, what do you call those Japanese and Peruvian restaurants? Well, you've, um, you've been to you. Well, you've been to you probably know uh, uh, Misha. Who, Misha, who that's has, what I'm uh, talking about. Maido, was Maido. Yeah, uh, well, we. Best, it's a good the run, best restaurant in Latin America. Yeah, he he and Ann are great buddies. We're we're good buddies. Oh. We we haven't been traveling. Oh, <laughs> we we used to travel all the time, and then we haven't been anywhere since this awful pandemic hit but let's talk a little bit about um, your your uh, what got my attention about your chocolate um is i'm always interested in, in unusual artisanal chocolates but you won like how many awards was that international chocolate awards well we, uh, we have, we're right now we're the current we have the current Number one in the world, dark chocolate, which is a lacuna from Amazon. We've just yes. won the Americas for the second time in a row, um, which with, with a different bar, which from Cusco is an 80% bar. And yes. we've got about, we have um, near almost 130 international chocolate awards. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, tell us, tell us a little bit more about your process, because I understand your process is pretty special, too. Yes, uh, thank you, Ed. What we do is basically um, the least we have to do to allow the cacao to show itself. So, meaning we are very, uh, we're very like a taster's chocolate, chocolate about kind of like a, uh, um, I think Peter will understand that, like wine tasting. Yes, of course, sure, sure. You both understand that. So, so when you try a, a bar from, Cusco or a Chuncho Bar or from Amazonas or from, from um, Pura, different regions with different types of cacaos, they have particular differences. And it's very fun to taste chocolate this way because you can identify an origin much like you would identify a Malbec versus a, a Shiraz or, or Cabernet Sauvignon or even a, a, a terroir. So it, it, what we do is we found very early and, and this is kind of what makes us a little bit different. So we don't buy beans and just concentrate on the roast. And no, we, 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 what we do is, uh, we source the beans, but we go to the farms. We select basically the, the farms where we get our cacao so that we make sure that, for example, in pure, we're getting actually pure, pure white cacao. Um, and, you know, a, we select our, our, our also our cacao from Amazon, from Cusco, wherever we go. And we do the post-harvest process, which means the fermentation is drying and drying is controlled by us. And we found very early that this is where the quality, this is where the flavors come from. So it comes from the genetics, first of all, and then yeah. the making sure that this cacao is properly processed in the fermentation and drying stages. This is where you take care of the product so that it doesn't get ruined. I mean, if you uh, ferment, wrong or you dry improperly, what you're going to get is defects in the flavor. Okay, so we make sure that we don't get defects created by an improper process. And then we do our own, obviously, uh, a roasting and, 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 and making of the chocolate. But we don't do a roast where we 
want to uh, affect the flavor of the cacao. We just do the minimum of everything so that it's the cacao showing through to our chocolate. So that, that's, that's how we take care of the cacao, and that's why we get very different flavors from very different origins. And yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful, wonderful dark, dark chocolate. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And, and, it's, and it's not thanks to us. It's thanks to, to nature. This is what nature gives us, and that's what we try to do as, as our mission. So when we try 70% bars, dark bars, it's absolutely the same recipe, the only difference, and they're very different in flavor. The only difference is actually the cacao. So that's what's really fun to, to taste. That's, what, that's getting into this new world of fine um, chocolate. Yeah, well, we just had a funny thing. You know, we've been to... A to wine and chocolate tastings, but we we just had um, talked to somebody who who had a cheese and chocolate tasting, which was really interesting. It was Absolutely. Um, pairing pairing is great, and and I think you know pairing chocolate. When you, if you take, for example, I would say take our three seventy uh, percent bars that are their origin bars we call. And they're three different, totally different origins, and you and you try them with pairing with with spirits. I mean, I think you can do it with wine, but I think mm-hmm. it's more. I think it, it pairs better with with spirits, and 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 see what it pairs with more. I think it's easier to understand chocolate flavors than it is wine flavors, and uh-huh. when it matches a particular spirit, a particular wine, is like, wow, it does. This is, like, amazing. And this one doesn't, this one's kind of like, you know, crashes up against the wall. It's not, doesn't, doesn't make it. This one just pairs nicely. So you understand pairing really well when you pair with chocolate. Wow. What, what spirit would you recommend? Uh, I personally, I would recommend Pisco from Peru because... Oh, yeah, in, right. In, in, in Peruvian Pisco, you have also different grapes. So you have mm-hmm. uh, Italia, Italia grape that we call. We have, a, uh, um, you know, we have, we have different grapes. I, I could go with names, but they're, not, they're different in Spanish. But anyway, so you have three different grapes as you would three different grapes for wines, right? Um, yeah. And you have specific varieties, and then you do pairing with the different uh, origins. And it's really amazing how it will pair with one, one will pair with the other. And it's really, really fun. That's why, I mean, we do here. Because because um, we it's a it's a Peruvian, Peruvian pisco is is our national uh, liquor. Well, you know, I didn't think I was going to like it, and I really got hooked on it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not you know the kind of thing I would ordinarily drink, but we brought back a bottle that we gave to um, Peter's brother in um, uh, in Cornwall, England, and uh, okay. it was really special. Yeah. Um, and he, he travels the world. He came. He came. He came in the right, correct glass too. So, oh yeah. Oh great. So you can't. Great. You can't just go sticking in a tumbler or in a wine glass. <laughs> yeah, you have to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, right it, it, it's just like the wines, and it's just like you know, liquor tasting has specific uh, shapes to get the specific, you know, right. the, the, the aromas that you need to, you know. So, so it's. I, I, I think it's. It's it, this world has has become a little bit sophisticated and more fun in that respect. So tasting food, tasting uh, wine, tasting liquors, uh, tasting chocolate has become amazing. So this is new. I mean, we've been tasting probably um, thanks to uh, different, different small shops, coffees, and, you know, maybe olive oils even. But 
but what is really new is chocolate tasting. Right. No, it, mu- it must be quite a challenge. You, you so- you're sourcing your, your cacao in Peru, but you're selling it, I'm guessing, all over the world. But that must present a fairly large logistical problem in actually well, getting you know, shipped to where it needs to go. It- it does become a problem because ready-made chocolate, uh, um, it's sensitive to temperature, exactly. high temperature, so that becomes a challenge. But I'll tell you, it's, it's probably, I mean, I, I, we're blessed with the fact that we live in Peru and that we can go to the farms. So it's, it's more difficult for, for, you know, for companies that are in Europe or in the United States you know, to visit the farms as often as we do. Mm-hmm. So we have that advantage to be able to control um, the work in the farms and be able to visit and, and see. Obviously, one very important thing, we see how it's sustainable, how we have no child slavery or child, child labor, which has become a really big issue. And I, oh, I, I know, know I heard you talk uh, to Tom the other day about, about this stuff as well. So it, it's something that's become very important to us. And, um, and, and it's, it's a big difference between, you know, uh, bulk cacao, bulk uh, uh, huge companies making chocolate, um, that have it difficult. I mean, I don't put all the blame on that, but I mean, it's, it's a reality that has to be uh, um, taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that a lot of um, these companies um, actually give part of their proceeds to the direct to the um, producer. I mean, the um, cacao grower. Well, yes, I mean, good. I see a lot of different uh, different actions they take. Like maybe you know, we're, we're saving the forest and whatnot. I said, you know, saving the forest and 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 giving money is is okay, but you know the real real issue that's that's urgent is what? no child slavery. You can't be buying children on the, you know, uh, um, it's, it's to work. You know, is slave labor. It's just that's the real issue. So why spend, instead of spending money on 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 you know saving the forest, which is I said again is important. First, get rid of the the slavery. Right, child labor. You're talking about. Now let, yes, let's, exactly. let's let's get let's get to the rub of the whole thing, which is how do how do people around the world, not just in Peru, get access to this world class chocolate that you make? Okay, how do, thank how you. do people get um, some? How do people get some? Well, in the United States, there are probably many shops. Um, there's a distributor that's called Apriori um, that distributes some of the best chocolates in the world. And they have cacao suyo. Um, Who are they? It's a priori. It's actually uh, uh, Matt Caputo from Caputo's Market in Utah. Oh, he, that's where we got the chocolate from, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's exactly. okay. They sent it to you. Yeah. So, so they, they are a distributor in, in, in the United States. So all shops, small stores um, in general can, can, can go to uh, a priori to, to get them. But there, there are many stores already all over the country in the United States that have um, cacao suyo. So that's, that's great in the States. We just actually started with them last year. And, you know, in Europe, we, we, you can get them from, like, Coco Runners in the U.K., which is online. You can get them from uh-huh. uh, Deluxe uh, Chocolats in, 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 in Germany. There's, a place, there's another one called High Five in Holland. Um, Are these on your website for chance? I, I believe they are. Yes, I believe they are. I don't run the website, but I leave up most of the places in the stores. Sometimes we try to keep keep track of that and, and have people <laughs> um, be able to look that up. 
we're not great on the, we're not great on the web. We're I mean we we're, we're pretty good at making chocolate, but but online <laughs> we're not that great. But we're trying. Well, I'll tell you, it was a delight to find you. I I I, I miss traveling, and I miss all our friends that we used to run into, um, especially our our chef friends from Peru. And we used to have such a yeah, great so time. Yeah, we have a lot of friends in common there. Yes. Um, uh, Maido, the, well, the chefs that you mentioned, they use our chocolate. Maido has our chocolate uh, in, in, in some areas, created desserts. Um, but uh, we, you'll find a lot of, a lot of those big chefs um, will use our chocolate also for, for cooking, um, for baking. Right. And, uh, so, so it's good. And, and please, when you come to Peru, you have to visit the factory. You're welcome. I'd love to, to meet you in Is person. Is it in Lima? And, and you can, it's in Lima, yeah. Okay, yeah. We were um, yeah. Well, um, we just had a marvelous time. I don't think we had a bad meal the whole time we were there. We were there nine days and ate two meals a day at a different restaurant. You know, Div- you know wow. Uh, yeah, and we went from restaurant to restaurant and never had a bad meal. It was just the, the food was amazing. No, there's one thing about Peruvians, even the people with, you know, lower incomes or whatnot, everybody enjoys eating and you'll, you'll, you'll find anybody at anywhere in any neighborhood who like the lunchtime is like, ooh, they'll be, you know, uh, mouth watering. They'll talk about their food. Today I'm going to have a ceviche with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, (laughs) when they start salivating, they go, they're, they're ready to have lunch. You know, people love to eat and love to eat well. Well, they do. <laughs> now, who, who's who's the who's the chef who's so famous, and he shared the name of his restaurant with his wife. That's Gaston Acurio. Gaston, Gaston. Gaston Acurio. Yeah, I, yeah, we never. He hadn't to... finished. He hadn't finished that big place. The, the the big place that has all the different functions. And I wasn't finished when we were there, so we never oh, ate okay, there. Yeah. We the, ate the big, at other restaurants. Okay, the big restaurant, the big white house. Yeah, I mean, we never... Yeah, that one. Yeah, we did, we moved, did actually. To... They started in a small place in Miraflores, um, uh-huh. Astrid and Gaston. And, right. um, and then Astrid and Gaston moved to, to, to a huge place, a beautiful uh, old home. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, they took, they took a long time, I guess, to set up. Yeah, well, it did, so we missed out on that. But what a fun time we had. And, uh, and oh, that sure. festival is, is out, of, out of this world. That's great. So. Yes, yes, it's, it's very interesting. You see a lot of different food. It started very much um, with Gaston's influence, uh, where he actually would bring in people, even like street food uh, carts. Yeah. You know, he'd bring them in, he'd, he'd taste something that was amazing in a street food, and made a lot of these small people really famous. Now it, it grew so much. Well, we haven't had it for a couple of years, but it yeah, grew but... so much that, you know, now it's like, you know, just, you just pay to be there. But when Gaston was kind of running it, was really was, was even more interesting. Now it's just bigger. <laughs> Which is great. Well, listen, um, we're, I think we're, we're losing some of the sound here, so we ought to conclude this. Uh, oh, so glad we finally caught up with you and uh, discovered you and your wonderful chocolate. And it, it, I just have so many fond memories of, of being in Peru. Hopefully we'll be in, begin to open up and, and uh, 
and, and travel again. And if so, count on us at your uh, chocolate factory. <laughs> and do, 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 do give more do than give welcome. I'll be happy to, to see you guys. And maybe we can do one of those pairings with the Pisco. Okay. That's good. Pisco. I'm aware of that. Please, please give Anne's best regards to Chef Miko. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love Misha. Misha. Yeah, Misha. Okay. We'll do. We'll do. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Thank you for for getting interested in Cacao Suyo, and I hope um, you... That was sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Very very corny, Mr. Same. Very corny. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyhow, I guess that does us again for another week. Yeah, we we hope you enjoy the chocolate you choose for your Valentine. No, not Valentine. No, Easter. Mother's Day. I still have my baby Easter basket. Yeah, Mother's Day is coming up, too. Yeah, don't miss that one. Yeah. So be sure to join us same time, same place next week. And until then, bye bye.